Guten Tag, everyone. Welcome to At The Buzzer, I guess, Bundesliga edition, and probably some CU stuff thrown you, in. You missed, you missed the Wilkeman, Wilkeman. I was leaving it for you, but you can say that I missed it. Okay, okay. Wilkeman. Um, oh, God. <laughs> Hopefully this is the, the one and only Bundesliga edition of this. Um... Welcome into uh, at the buzzer. I guess your Bundesliga, your source for all Bundesliga news, and also CU athletics news. And you know what? I'm going to throw this out right away. I'm I'm your co-host Jack Barsh, and I'm going to say that we're the best Bundesliga pod- podcast out there. Co-host uh, Sam, do you agree? No, I listen to Men and Blazers the podcast, so I they think they're suck. a little bit better. Come at us. They suck. Fight me, Roger. Yeah, Um, I don't know who that is, but they suck. Yeah, I mean, I I, Bayern and Dortmund played this morning, and I made you watch it, so I'm glad that you actually did. Appreciate your uh, tenacity and courage on that. For those who don't know, Bayern is Bayern Munich, who's the big dog to the New York Yankees, the Alabama Crimson side. Of I think he's a good the Bundesliga world um, on the other side. Well, Alabama also pays a lot. Um, and yeah, on the but other side, the Yankees Yankees use the rest of baseball as their farm system, where they used to in yes. their dynastic days. And and Dortmund is um, your classic second place team. This would be the Buffalo Bills in the nineties. Um, oh, geez, I'm trying to think of anyone else. Borussia <laughs> um, Dortmund is the other they're, team. They're very similar to Liverpool. Liverpool haven't won a championship or an English title in like thirty something years. Okay. Comparing one soccer team to a different soccer team is not going to be helpful for me or most of the audience. Okay, hopefully. okay, that's that's probably fair. Anyways, let's we can do that at the end. Let's get to the actual CU news, and we actually can present actual CU news. How, how two exciting! Items. Two items of CU. Okay, take it away, Sam. The the first one is that the CU campus is going to be open um, in the fall. So they're going to welcome back students um, in August, and people are going to be able to dorm. They're going to be able to go to classes in person. And then um, after Thanksgiving break, uh, classes are going to move online. So people will get to go home and then not have to worry about bringing it with them back to campus, I suppose. From what I remember being a student anyways, there's only what, there's three weeks in between Thanksgiving break and winter break. Is that right? Uh, I don't, I don't remember. I th- so I, th- I think it's just those three weeks that, that CU is, is turning into pure online, but Regardless, uh, athletically, I think that obviously would affect a lot of bowl practicing. <laughs> Knock on eight million pieces of wood, and uh, would obviously affect basketball attendance. Yeah, and I mean, like, also, it's gonna—it's just in general, it's putting a lot of professors at risk. I know, um, and I also know that the professors didn't necessarily know about this until the news broke this morning. 
they thought everything was going to be completely online, which should have happened. But we can criticize the CU uh, University all we want for valuing money over anything. Well, um, I, I think you'll see that every single university, every state university um, in the country, with the exception of the Cal State universities, which are their own separate ecosystem, is going to say they're opening in the fall because if you don't say that you're opening in the fall, you're going to lose a lot of incoming freshmen, um, which means you're going to lose a lot of, like you said, incoming dollars. And in a state like Colorado, where um, higher education funding is an afterthought at best, that's a a death blow. Yeah. I mean, like um, I think the university institution as is like the structure of it, it could collapse. Like if there's just not like any, if everybody just stays home for the year because they're not getting a quality education, like I know my brother was taking online classes and they were just garbage. Um, like the if people aren't going to pay tuition. Everything could collapse if it's just a year off. So I, I get it. I just think that it, they're valuing their uh, existence over <laughs> safety of people. Yeah. Well, I, I, I mean, I, I guess putting I think, it that yeah. way though, is a little bit different. <laughs> Yeah, I, I realize that. Um, yeah, I, I. All of this to say, I think uh, it's looking more and more likely and more and more um, like they're planning to at least play college football in the fall. I don't think there's going to be any stu- fans, in, or at least any fans like we know um, in the stands for those times, but. Carl Durrell might have a a first chance at a first impression is what what it's looking like. Yeah, yeah, I just and probably without fans. I think that's a given at some point that like there won't be sports games without fans for a long time coming. And look, we get the joke. It's not like CU had a lot of fans in there, anyways. But that's not true. At least last year. Um. Yeah, I I mean as. Millions of health experts have pointed out um, the last thing that's going to come back from the shift in societal life after coronavirus will be large voluntary gatherings of people in a particularly small or enclosed space. So that hasn't stopped kids from partying on the hill. <laughs> I don't know if you if there is a single thing that can stop kids from partying on the hill. Yeah, that's, um, a, that's a wonderful counterpoint. <laughs> But, you know, it's looking as football becomes increasingly likely, we're going to talk increasingly more about it. And hopefully at some point in the summer, we can actually have a a summer football something. I don't know. I don't know what it looks like. So um, the first piece of news is is that the University of Colorado is planning on. Wait, hang on a second. Um, on, On this topic still while we're on it. How does this affect basketball? Um. There's so much up in the air. Here's, here's what I'm looking at with basketball. Presumably, if it starts in November as planned, I think it might be delayed, which would be lovely because it should be a second semester sport anyways. But if it gets delayed, um, it's even more likely that it gets played. Um, I don't think you're going to have full capacity of fans in attendance at that point either. Um, but there's obviously going to be – Changes to how those games are played. I, I think you've seen this too in college football. 
where you're seeing a lot of these neutral site games are going to be completely up in the air. And that includes basketball with these tournaments, like a lot of these non-conference tournaments at the beginning of the, the non-conference schedule. I think a lot of those are going to be completely modified or canceled um, just because that's so much extra work. Um, that would mean a lot of extra costs on top of the travel costs just to make sure everyone's tested and safe. Um, and who's, I mean, that's just so much extra risk you're taking on for what, you know? Um, so I think those will either be shifted on campus or canceled entirely. That's, that's the main thing I can see. Yeah. And I mean, there's a, an attendance thing too. Like um, CU is going to host Kansas this year. And there was like a lot of hope that this would be like a similar upset as the year, uh, as when Nuskia Booker hit that shot. But that was going to be over uh, winter break. So the students wouldn't really be there anyway. Um, that's what, I mean, that's what you said earlier today, but. That was, well, um, that's true. And especially yeah, yeah, now, yeah. It, there won't be any students. Yeah. And so like, I mean, not that there would be fans at the games anyway, because like, like, it's probably not going to happen for a long time, but. Like, that doesn't necessarily affect basketball, I suppose. Um, like, students not being on campus. Or, not students not being on campus after Thanksgiving. I wonder, I mean, that game might become even more important because I would guess, obviously, if you're not allowed to go to the games, that college basketball viewership goes way up. Um, I don't know if that's going to be a one-to-one. But if so, then the, the games like that, that CU can sell to TV um, – networks like ESPN would presumably be in play for that um, depending on the hype around CU next year. But a lot of those marquee matchups will be important for teams that are on less stable financial footing. The good news about CU is number one, Tad Boyle is a cheap, good coach. And number two, um, Rick George has done a lot of work for the past six years trying to balance the athletic department's books um, so I think they're at way less risk of any negative impacts from this than they would be otherwise. Like, you know, University of California is in a really weird spot. That would be Cal Berkeley. Yeah, like I mean, I don't know what what they're what spot they're in. Do you want to say? What yeah, they're so they're already in massive debt. So they they they're like thirty million dollars in debt. The athletic department is. Um, oh and, yeah, I knew that one. So this is not <laughs> going going to help that. Um, and this is purely for competitive. I mean, competitively, this is good news for CU um, because I think that means a lot of the young coaches or uh, like potentially Justin Wilcox could be poached um, if Carl Durrell doesn't work out or, you know, blah, 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 blah. Um, same on, you know, the assistant side, they have a really cool defensive backs coach slash DC and, and Gerald Alexander that just left for the Dolphins for a worse position for money. And a lot of their, I mean, they have a nice up and coming football program. It'd be easier to recruit against and also hire away from um, because of the adverse impacts. However, the state of California will also do pretty much a lot to guarantee that that debt does not affect um, the, the school as much as it would otherwise. Yeah. Okay. Uh, moving on to the next item of news. Speaking of coaches getting poached, yeah, um, <laughs> CU had one great, bright year of basketball recruiting, um, and a, a man behind a lot of that, Anthony Coleman, is now gone back to ASU, where he we stole him from. So, 
Cool. Yeah. So, so, so why did that happen? Why did we get him in the first place? <sighs> well, he, Bobby Hurley made the choice to pass him up for a promotion, hiring someone that was a little more experienced. Um, Anthony Coleman also was mentioned twice in the FBI investigation, though nothing really came of that. And also was in a way that wasn't necessarily um, pointing to dirty play. Because of that, Tad Boyle was hiring to, to fill John Prelew's spot, who got hired away at the coach San Jose State. Um, Anthony Coleman came along at the right time. They scooped him up. Prelew was gone a while ago, though. Uh, wasn't he, wasn't, I mean, Anthony Coleman was replacing Kim English, who went to yes, Tennessee. Yes, who, repl- who was John Prelew's replacement. Yeah, and who right. replaced Rodney Phillips? Up. Oh, Greer. Greer replaced Rodney Billups. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So moving on. Sorry. No, you're fine. So Coleman comes in. Um, he's known to have pretty deep connections to Compton Magic, which is a top AAU program and pretty deep AAU connections regardless. CU starts appearing on a lot of top high school recruits lists that they weren't on otherwise, which is great to see. Um, you know, in the end for the class of 2020, it actually looks quite a bit like a normal Tad Boyle class um, anyways. But 2021 is where you're seeing, starting to see a lot of those inroads. Just real quick to go over it, class of 2020 had two in-state stars in Nick Clifford and Luca Bryant, which is a Tad Boyle special. And then they also had a late riser in Jabari Walker, which is another Tad Boyle thing that he's great at picking up. Um, he's great at picking up solid high school players in the second signing day. And then it also had a, there was a grad transfer in Jariah Horn that I don't necessarily think is, is Anthony Coleman, but he, he insists on a lot of that. And then 2021 is when you see starting to see a lot of the fruits of his labor. So a lot of these top California kids see you as on pretty early and on pretty hard. Thanks to Anthony Coleman. Um, this guy named Quincy Allen, who who's a high four star up in the DC area who actually visited Colorado in February um, and I that was absolutely in part due to Anthony Coleman's connections all of that is now in jeopardy because Anthony Coleman's no longer with the university so it sucks on the recruiting level um, on the actual coaching level it was hard to tell how much work he did with the big men um, I didn't really notice a huge improvement or jump or decrease did you notice anything on that side no, not at all. Uh, I mean, Evan Batty just is who he is. So, I mean, like, we could nitpick that way, but I don't think there was much of a difference. Um, and, like, like Dallas Alton wasn't necessarily healthy. Right, and Lucas Seward is, has a defined role, so it's, it's... Yeah, so, like, there's, there's really no way to say what he helped with with the big men. Largely, his impact was felt on the recruiting side. And um, yes. Tad will have to hire specifically on that side. Do we have any, like, like targets that CU would know or, like, that would go for? Because I know the Anthony Coleman thing kind of came out of nowhere. Like, we didn't really – there were no rumors of it. And I, I, I don't keep track of coaches like you do. Do you have any ideas? Um. There's a few that come to mind. I mean, the dream, and this is never going to happen just because it, it won't, but Danny Manning is available, and he's a really good big man oh. coach. <laughs> yeah, he just got fired from Wake Forest. Um, and presumably he'd be pretty cheap because they paid him $18 million guaranteed dollars to walk out the door. Um, 
Is that guaranteed? Yes. Like even if he got a job somewhere else? Um, I believe he needs to work to seek employment to keep the money, just like Mike McIntyre did. So we could be part okay. of that. You okay, know, I understand. That also, I think, should show a lot of CU fans that like Danny Manning, who is bad power five head coach, got $18 million. Um, Tad Boyle is getting a million dollars a year, and he is a better coach than Danny Manning, just to keep that in mind anyways. Um, so he's at the top of the wish list. Green Bay, the University of Wisconsin, Green Bay, just fired their head coach for budgetary reasons. He was a really good coach, um, I, but he's not going to be a recruiting guy. He's not going to have any impact on that side. Would you rather a recruiting guy or someone who's more of a developmental coach? No, absolutely. The way that this roster is set up, you need to have a recruiting stud in that I spot. agree with that. I the agree. best case is that Mike Rohn finally gets the promotion he's earned to be a head coach somewhere else because he absolutely has. And um, that way Tad has a little more of those two spots. Um, are filled right now it's he's kind of pigeonholed into getting a young exciting recruiting name um, which is not a bad thing by any means but just means that there's less players available in that spot okay I got you um, so I mean like we're not going to find out for a long time are we who knows it's you know it's harder to telegraph Tad's moves um, it's harder to tell in this pandemic what that means. You know, maybe that means there's a bunch of coaches who are looking right now because there's there's less active recruiting going on, so that they're less busy. I don't know. I have no idea what that means. Um, I think college basketball is a little more stable on college football, and in, in the the way the timing for this whole shutdown went on because most schools are already done with their season anyways. Um, it was really just a lucky few like CU and the other 64 three that were going to be in the NCAA tournament that really had to worry about continuing to coach. And the rest of them were pretty much on recruiting or, or end of season wrap ups. So they're more prepared for the 2020, 2021 season than most. It's just going to be interesting to see um, what the assistant pool looks like for this spot. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That all makes sense. Um, do we want to move on to Bundesliga? Do you have anything else to say? No. Um, you know, the other interesting thing is Tab Royal might have the next coach and Nate Tomlinson on staff already. Oh. And that would be a really yeah. easy hire. Um, but that's completely untested. And I, I would much rather hire someone who we already know can recruit. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't know, like, what, what kind of connections Nate has outside of Australia. Like, he didn't play prep basketball in high school, he, or he didn't play prep basketball in the U.S. He, um, he immediately went to, back to Australia to play professionally and so on. Like, he's a, I think he's more of a developmental type coach that we are talking about. Yeah, I mean, the players on campus like him, love him, understandably so, but it's we don't we have no idea he has none of the connections to the high school programs already like you said you know there's a bunch of different stuff yeah but i would not be surprised um, if that ends up being the higher yeah um so so this morning this morning Bayern basically won the bundesliga um so they they 
So Bayern Munich, they beat Dortmund today, the, the game we were mentioning earlier. They beat them 1-0, kind of a boring game, amazing goal by Joshua Kimmich. And they jump, I think, seven points clear. Is that true? Not true. I think, I think it's seven points clear of Dortmund with only like six games to play. And uh, Bayern's not really going to lose any of those games. So they basically won the league, if, if you care about uh, trophies. And uh, Dortmund, this was like, this was their chance to win the league because uh, Bayern's going to get a lot better next year. They're going to bring in some new guys. These current players, like Alfonso Davies, they're playing a 19-year-old at left back. He's just going to keep getting better and better. And Dortmund is probably going to get a little bit worse. And so it's a little bit unfortunate they weren't that they uh, weren't able to get over the hump and that it's once again another Bayern um, a trophy for them. How did, how did you feel about that? I know you're more of a Dortmund guy. Look, man, that's what I, – I watched the game. I know nothing about the standings of this year. I have known nothing about the future of these two teams. I just know that uh, Bayern buys its ways to win, and I'm glad that Bayern can buy its way to another win. Yeah, I mean – That's that's what it is. Yeah, I mean, they are buying their way, I guess, but they have also just way more supporters than any other team. So I feel like they have the right to flex their financial ability. It's not like – an oil tycoon bought the team and is running it like Manchester city. It's that they, they just have a foundation of soccer and like a history that's unrivaled in Germany. And they're just, they're just Kings of the, of the league. And it's like, they're not owned by anybody like nefarious to make it feel cruel. Um, And they also, they, they develop a lot of their players like Joshua Kimmich is uh, I know they bought him from Leipzig 2015, but they've developed him into a world-class player. And like other guys, like they, they're very opportunistic. Like they bought Alfonso Davies from the MLS and stuck him at left back. They developed David Alaba into what he is, Jerome Boateng as well. So I get it, but I also think that uh, they should get a little more credit. I mean, I'm not going to give him that, so <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> Um, I watched a little bit. I put I put a little bit of money down. I'm happy to say that I won my bet. And what was your bet? Uh, the goal total was three and a half for that game, I believe. And I hit the you under because I'm like, this is soccer. Who who scores four points? Um, um, yeah, that's a good idea. It was also uh, both of these teams played on Saturday, so they were. It looked like they were a little fatigued at the end of the game. Uh, a lot of there was a lot of missed chances mostly. So the, yeah, I think it was, it was smart. Just watching the game flow. It, this was not going to be a high scoring game. Uh, Dortmund probably should have scored, but yeah, one goal is fine. I noticed that Dortmund has a lot of small players. They're short, like Jadon Sancho is, or I don't know how to say that, but he's what? short. He's not uh, short. Uh, who's number eight? Um, wait, Thomas. Del- oh, uh, Mahun Dahoud. No, maybe I'm thinking Thomas, of, there's a guy named Thomas Guerrero Delaney. or something. Oh, you're thinking of Rafael Guerrero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like five foot five. He's, he's like a Portuguese left back, but he's, he's a winger. You always oh, have small left wings. Excuse me. I don't know the like, rules. No, they actually have some big guys like Jaden Sancho's 5'11", 170, which is like, that's, that's really tiny. No, no, no. That's tiny, but that's huge for a winger. Like that's big. Like, like there's a young player on Leverkusen named Kai Havertz. 
who's like 6'2", 180. You're telling he's me like, about him. Yeah, yeah. He's like bigger than a lot of center backs. So it's like the, these guys are big. And then you're talking about Dortmund. Their striker is Erling Haaland, who's like 6'4". Yeah, and that guy looked like a super fight. German. Like his, he, he was oh. like in a, designed in a lab. He's, uh, he's Norwegian, but... Whatever. Yeah, oh, I get what yeah. you um, Let's see. Well, um, what other things, dumb things have I noticed? I don't know. I, I noticed that Bayern is annoying because they just do the stupid thing that other soccer teams do where they'll pass the ball back and forth between their like defenders for 40 minutes, and that's very annoying to watch. Um, <laughs> I noticed that I watched one RB Leipzig game. Right? Am I saying that right? Leipzig, yeah. Well, I'm not. The, I know the town name. I think it's RB. RB Leipzig. Or whatever. Anyways, I was actually reading about this. I was reading about their history. So, Leipzig was actually created in 2010 by Red Bull because they wanted to get into the to the German soccer league because they have a bunch of other teams throughout the world, including the New York Red Bulls and then the the team in Salzburg, Austria. Beautiful city, by the way. Um, but they like created their own team and they like bought talent into they climbed from like the sixth division to the first division in eight years um and so they're very much the epitome of a team that just bought their success and then they they uh buy these young guys like Yusuf Polson and then they develop them into pretty good players and they sell them and then they become great players uh so, like, Joshua Kimmich, for example, came from them, and now he's on Dortmund. Or now he's on Bayern. You're making and, me uh, love this team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're very fun. Like, I love the way they play. Like, Timo Werner is one of my favorite players to watch. And they just did 5-0 someone over the weekend, so that was very fun. Well, that's what I was going to say. Is I, I, I've watched overall in my entire life, I've watched them not play 90 minutes worth of soccer, and I love them because it was literally just, like, they they – it looks like they are a Red Bull team because it looked like all of them just sprinted everywhere. All the it like they were playing FIFA. There was no let up. They were, they basically just constantly tried to shoot moonshots and stuff. It was awesome. Yeah, uh, they, and I also fun. now that I know this, I love that they were just like let's just buy a bunch of really fun guys and run really fast. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. They're uh, they're also the only team in the former East Germany. But, um. um that that means I mean that means nothing, little to nothing to me. That's not as fun as the Red Bull thing, but okay. Well, it's it's interesting considering like um like the development of East Germany versus West Germany, uh in those in those years and then afterwards because like you know the Russian mob like controls a lot of East Germany, like um if you go to like Airport Germany, everybody knows uh, which mob owns which restaurants, and they know where to be careful. That's because when the 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 like the communist uh, thing fell apart, there was a power vacuum, and a lot of the mafia filled up. Uh, By the communist so think, thing, do you mean the Soviet yeah. Union? <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, yeah, pretty much. But well, I mean, like, like Germany wasn't East Germany wasn't part of the Soviet Union. They were just part of the Eastern Bloc. Okay. Yeah, I just like calling it the communist thing. Yes. When when the Berlin Wall fell. The, mm-hmm. the mafia swooped in. Oh, so I, I watched Atomic Blonde, dude. I know what's up. Oh, I should actually watch that. Um, but, uh, okay, so, so a standings update. So, so Bayern Munich, they're for sure going to win the league. Um, after that, 
it's Dortmund. And then if Leipzig wins their next game, those two teams are tied for a second. And then Borussia Mönchengladbach and Leverkusen are tied for fourth. And what's key is that if you finish fourth, you get to be in the Champions League the next year. So this could be a huge battle because if you're fifth, you're in the Europa League and the Europa League kind of sucks compared to the Champions League. So it'll be a nice little race to see who of Dortmund, Leipzig, Mönchengladbach and Leverkusen uh, get in there. I'm guessing it's not going to be Mönchengladbach. Do you, have you seen any of these teams besides Leipzig and Dortmund? No, but I do know from buying, what was it, FIFA 14 or 10, that Michael Bradley, the U.S. soccer player, used to play for Bruce and Martin Gladbach. Oh, yeah, that bald fuck. Okay. Why, <laughs> what, what's no. with the Michael Bradley hate? I, just, I, I have no reason to not like him. I just don't like him. Okay, let's find out which one it was. Let's see if I was right. Yes, he did play for Borussia Mönchengladbach from he also 2008 to 2011. Yeah, then he went to Roma. I mean, I, none of this matters, but I'm glad that I was correct. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah I, I, I think Leipzig is very fun to watch, probably the most fun to watch. Dortmund, I always recommend Dortmund. And then the other two are less fun, but Leverkusen has the best young German player in the world, so I, I gravitate towards them, and they're just playing better. Than That's Kai whatever, right? right? Kai Havertz, yes. What about Julian Draxler? Is he still good? Julian Draxler is in Paris, and he isn't very good. He's a, he's a bench player there. He used to be good. He used to be good, and then he just got injured all the time. Oh, and... Uh, yeah, so then there's sixth place. So if you finish sixth place, you get to go to Europa League next year. And uh, uh, Schalke was in sixth place, but they got uh, four owed by Dortmund, and then they got three owed by I forget who it was, like Mainz or something. Uh, they they lost bad the other day. Uh, so Schalke was sixth place, but now they're free falling, and now there's like a power vacuum there and so Wolfsburg is currently in sixth but it's anybody's race and uh even John's team could win it with Cologne we have to mention that again I'm what is it like 20 bucks every time you mention that (laughs) no it's that he gets he lets us talk about German soccer during our podcast (laughs) by us he means you but yeah sure that works oh Oh, so another thing is that I saw um, uh, something that you would love. So Bayern Munich, they just beat um, on Saturday. Uh, I'm pulling it up, sorry. They beat Eintracht Frankfurt 5-2. to two, And uh, Frankfurt, their two goals were by a center back, Martin Hinderegger, three minutes apart from each other on corners. And any time a defender scores two goals, it's weird as hell especially when they're coming three minutes in a row. But then as Frankfurt had a chance to like draw the game and really kind of get back at Munich, that same guy uh, scored an own goal for Munich. So very weird game for him. Weird ass 20 minutes. Scoring two goals. <laughs> yeah. Two goals and an own goal as a center back. I've never seen someone do that. So it was really funny to see. Well, see, why can't I ever watch the game where there's five goals? That seems like something I would want to do. There were seven goals that game. 
man. See, you just have to get lucky in the games you're watching. Like, I'm sorry that you had to watch the, the, the snoozer that was today. But, like, if you, if you pop on a Leverkusen game, you're going to get four goals. That's, I'm looking through all their scores right now. So before we end completely, I just want to look at some quick odds totals. Uh, now that now that DraftKings is in Colorado, uh, okay. if you had to if you had to guess the odds that CU wins the national championship, what what they're giving out? So if you bet one dollar, you get or you bet ten dollars, you get this much back. What would you guess? Five thousand to one. Close. Uh, they're at plus fifty thousand. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that sounds about right. And if you bet UTEP, they're at plus five hundred thousand. So if you're looking for some, you're looking for some value. Oh, there you go. Oh, I wanted to talk about uh, the Heisman odds. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think that like a bunch of these websites are listing Derek Stigley, the cornerback at LSU, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as a top ten Heisman candidate. Mm-hmm. Do not fall for that trap. They are stealing your money if you bet on Stigley. There's no fucking way a cornerback who doesn't play special teams is going to even finish top 10 in the Heisman. Don't listen to that. If he is as good as he was last year, which was the best cornerback in college football, arguably probably second best after Okuda. um, If he finishes second, nobody's just going to throw to him. Like he's not going to get any interceptions. He's not going to be Tyran Matthew because Tyran Matthew played everywhere in the field. He, he's just going to take away half the field and that's his value. So don't, 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 bet on him for the Heisman because, yeah, it's not going to happen. Look, betting on anyone who's not named Adrian Martinez is also fool's gold for the Heisman. <laughs> God damn He's it. coming um, back, baby. Do you, do you have any dark horses off the top of your head for the Heisman? Um, let's see. Oklahoma's quarterback next year is probably going to be Spencer Rattler. I love him. Um, and see, I think- I'm, I'm worried that there's going to be fatigue with Heisman voting for Oklahoma because if, like, a fourth straight quarterback comes in and puts up ridiculous numbers. It's just going to be like watching Texas Tech quarterbacks put up passing yards back in the day. Except for they're winning. Okay, yeah. that's fair. I should have used a better example. But, um, yeah, I think like the Wisconsin running backs, they don't get nearly as much credit, I feel like, because it's just one after another running for 2,000 yards. I guess it, it, I guess if it proves out that many times that the system is helpful to quarterbacks, but still, I think Rattler's going to be a star. I love him. Um, I, I think he'll be a star too. I'm just I'm worried about that Heisman hype. Yeah, watch out for Jamie Newman at Georgia if they give him enough time to throw the ball. I love Jamie Newman as well, um, and he's going to have a lot of weapons around him. Let's see. Yeah. I think if you um, bet on Miles Brennan at LSU, that's also a waste of money. Yeah, no, he's not going to do enough with that. Yeah, I mean, like, they have a great offense, but you have to be perfect to win the Heisman, and he's going to be anything less than Joe Burrow. He's not going to win it. It's going to be a slightly different system, too, and people are going to spend all offseason studying the tape. So, um, yeah, retired on the back. Joe Brady left. Carolina. Yeah. Thank you, Matt Rule. Um, let's see. I mean, really, honestly, you? really, honestly, betting on anyone who's not Trevor Lawrence seems like a mistake. But I think Justin Fields has a better shot. I think Lawrence 
I think the way Clemson plays, they're just going to go up 45-3 to early in the game, and they're just going to run the ball or pull him. And I don't think he's going to get a lot of stats. And I think that – I mean, the he, same thing happened with Justin Fields last year. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's true, actually. Um, but Justin Fields has a harder schedule next year. Like, he, he's playing Oregon in a non-conference game. He plays at Michigan to end the season. Not that Michigan's going to win that, but um, – and they play Notre Dame, I think. So there's, like, more Heisen moments, moments for Justin Fields. I just think that uh, Lawrence isn't really going to have an opportunity to, I guess, be perfect in a way. You know what I mean? He has lower upside, I feel like, in the Heisman candidacy. Yeah, but if, if Clemson just rolls the competition to another 12-0 season and, and Lawrence isn't as shaky as he was last year, I think it's pretty easy to cinch him up. Yeah, I think that's true. He could also get, like, a lifetime Heisman of sorts. I, I don't think we've seen a lifetime Heisman given out in a long time. Um, um, Mark Ingram might be up there. Mark Ingram? Well, I guess he won it when he was a sophomore, didn't he? Yeah, he was a first-year starter. Man, when was the last time there was a career Heisman? Um, Ron Dan. <laughs> Troy Smith, you could argue. Yeah, Troy Smith's a good one. Jason White at Oklahoma, maybe. Even though Jason White didn't deserve that at all. Larry Fitzgerald should have won the 2003 Heisman. John, if you're listening to this, it's true. I like Jason White. You do? But Larry Fitzgerald deserved it. Maybe. 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 All right. Well, uh, I'm done. Are you done? <laughs> I guess, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, Ke- Keaton Slovis could be a dark horse contender if USC <laughs> is competent. No. What? No. <laughs> he will I not mean, be a dark horse contender. Okay, okay. Yeah. I'm, I am against – I am not I, – I think the Keaton Slovis bandwagon is too big now. I don't think he's going to be that that good. Okay. Yeah, Sophomore I don't slump, think so man. either. I don't think so either. I'm just thinking that like that kind of fits the profile of a breakout Heisman. I get. I mean, the weird thing is, Clay Helton's going to keep his job for another year because USC is right now like the number three or four class in the country. They they really? are recruiting lights out. Yeah, because they added Dante Williams, who's one of the best recruiters in the country, and all these SoCal kids can't go anywhere, so there's committing to stay in SoCal. Oh, man. Okay. Well, that's fun. Yeah, it's good for the conference in a way. Any any final thoughts? And I think I'm going to admit that I've been playing FIFA the whole time we've been doing this podcast. Are you serious? <laughs> all right. Well, uh, go Leipzig. That's all I have. Go Leipzig. Um, yeah, I'm just watching for good soccer. Okay, I'm not, but I'm, okay. I'm watching for making some money. Okay, all right. Bye, John. All right, bye, Jack. Your oh, name is John, fine. though. Bye, Jack. B- bye. <laughs> Buzz! Buzz!